Hey guys, this is Brandon DeVere, and welcome to Authentic Agent Resource. All right, well, we know that people like to do business with those they know, like, and trust. But the big question is, how do agents like us cut through the noise of information being hurled at consumers today to help them navigate one of the most important decisions of their life? That is why this podcast was created, to give agents and consumers a chance to connect through the stories of agents told with their voices. I'm Brandon DeVere, and this is Authentic Agent Resource. Welcome back to Authentic Agent Resource Podcast. This is Brandon DeVere. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and sharing your time with me. I do appreciate that. Today, very excited. Actually having my first local Las Vegas guest on the show, uh, which you may think is counterintuitive, but uh, he's got some great things to share, and I want him to get out there and have the opportunity to share those things. So, Matthew Mullen, how are you today? Awesome. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Yeah, absolutely. I see the Mullen group back there. Uh, that is, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Hey, just want to, if you can just kind of give us a quick little backstory, you know, kind of where you grew up. I mean, like most people that I've met here in Las Vegas, um, myself included, we did not, we were not born and raised here. Um, we kind of come from other backgrounds. And so I'm, I, you have a, a similar type story in that, in that way. Um, but if, yeah, if you can just give us a little, little idea about you, your family, you know, how you got to this point in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, I was uh, was actually born and raised out here, and um, grew up rest. Yeah, started wrestling at five years old and getting into competitive wrestling. So my whole uh, dad's side of the family was pretty competitive wrestlers and football players, and I uh, learned early on what uh, discipline in a sport looks like. <laughs> and and uh, then I shifted to tennis about ten years old, and I. I am grateful for the shift because uh, the shift to playing competitive tennis actually exposed me to a lot of other personalities, a lot of different backgrounds. And I actually attribute that shift to what I was exposed to because uh, if it weren't for playing tennis, I would never have met an alum from Princeton University that was local here in Las Vegas that I got to know through, you know, as a, as a 13, 14, 15 year old tennis player, I got a chance to regularly play tennis, you know, with, successful adults and professionals um, and have conversations that I probably would never have if I wasn't in that sport. And so um, I got, uh, I met an alum who took an interest and asked me some questions and, you know, gave me a chance and said, Oh, what are you thinking about uh, doing for college? You know, I had pretty good grades in school and I was a pretty good tennis player. I always, I kind of had this dream. I wanted to play for Stanford because that was like the big dream tennis program on the West coast. And uh, he said, you know, what are you thinking about for college? I said, oh, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, wherever I get a tennis scholarship, my family can't afford to send me to college. And he said, well, what do you think about Princeton? And I said, what's Princeton? (laughs) 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 And uh, he's like, oh, well, let me show you. But he, you know, he he gave me a chance and, uh, and was a guide. Um, Nick, Nick was very instrumental in that change and trajectory in my life. And I, feel like I got really, really lucky and happened to be the, the geographic uh, diversity pick from the West at the time. And, uh, and anyway, got, went back East, um, got a degree in economics from Princeton and kind of that changed my whole perspective on the world and who I was surrounded with. Actually, in the first couple of weeks on campus, I was, I was scared. I was wondering, I, I remember this thought, the people I was sitting in the room with, I remember um, having the thought, how long until they figure me out and send me home? <laughs> so it, I, imposter syndrome a little bit oh my gosh it was an out it was like a whole I felt totally out of place um but it made me really 
test my own abilities. It made me dig in and, you know, have different conversations, uh, uh, look at a higher level. And I don't know, that was one of my early recognitions that who you choose to surround yourself with really, really matters. Um, you know, what you're talking about, what you're thinking about. And, uh, so after college, I, I followed the crowd, went into New York city and, and thought, Oh, the path to success is going to be wall street and finance. So I got my first job in Manhattan working in equity research, did that for a couple of, uh, well, for a few months after graduation. And then I was living in the city when September 11th actually happened. Oh, wow. Um, I was living and working in New York. And I, it was a massive wake up call because I was I was sort of just head down, <clears throat> you know, uh, I, I remember going for five, six months throughout working there where I didn't even see sunlight. I was just in the office, you know, the subway in the apartment. And I was all about just learn as much as I can. Mm. Um, but I just thought that success was just you know, make a bunch of money in, in finance. And that event caused me to look up and, and reflect. It caused me to think, what am I doing here? Do I see myself raising a family here? Do I see myself, uh, do I want to be doing what all my bosses were doing? All my family's back out in Las Vegas. So um, it, it just made me reflect at a pretty young age. And I chose to get closer to my family, move back to Las Vegas. I took a job opportunity back in Las Vegas in corporate finance with Caesars Entertainment. And uh, that brought me home. And uh, once I got back, I was like, wow, I didn't realize what I had here <laughs> growing <laughs> up with, you know, sunlight and easy access to mountains and parks and, and driving easily. And I could play tennis anytime I want without, you know, costing an arm and a leg and planning it a week in advance. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, moved back for a job in corporate finance. And I got really frustrated in the corporate world in the first couple of years. Uh, went, you know, the same alum, Nick, who was a key in trajectory and in introducing me to Princeton was a real estate broker out here. And ultimately, I just got fed up with my uh, 3% raise in my first year at work. And he said, what do you think about being a real estate agent? I said, I'll never be a real estate agent. I had this huge <laughs> ego. And, uh, but then I started exploring working with investors and working with him. And that's what brought me into business. So. That's awesome. That's you know. So I I knew that you went to Princeton and that you were in New York. That's I guess that's why I, I forgot that you actually lived here and then went out there and then came back. Um, yeah. But it's interesting. You you point out we had just talked about who not how the book who not how and right away like you have Nick that the who that kind of got you got you uh, where you're going. Um, so that that was pretty cool. And I'll second that on the not knowing what you have until you you go and it's. I don't know what it is, but even when I moved down here from the Seattle area, uh, down to Las Vegas, I did, I went back, we went back up there for a few years and I remember driving across, um, the 405 or the I-90 and I came up across right before you go into Seattle and I saw this mountain range and I was like, where did that come from? I don't even remember that. But, and then I look over and I see Mount Rainier and I was driving around seeing this stuff, you know, when the sun was out up there, obviously, cause it gets a little overcast there. Um, but then so or that was blown away by I, I could really see that all the time. I didn't even register my brain. And then when I came back down here, same thing, like you said, where, you know, most people think about Las Vegas, they're like, hey, what what casino do you live in? You know, what hotel do you live in? Like, <laughs> no, you know, all those all those homes that you flew over before you landed, that, that was I'm in one of those. Um, but, you know, the great hiking out here, um, I just saw that there's snow on Mount Charleston today. Uh, saw that they, I didn't see how many inches I just saw pop up and say that there's snow there. But um, but you're right. Like you go out and kind of, kind of come back, and um, now you now you it registers with you. But uh, yeah, so I can I can definitely relate with that. Um, so obviously, you 
went from finance, that was kind of your background, and then you got into real estate. And can you tell, can you go a little bit more in depth on that? Um, he so Nick came back and just said, "Hey, what do you think about being a real estate agent?" Yeah, and he said, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not with it." What was it that, that finally like triggered you? Because I have a similar story where somebody tried to get me in it the whole time. He kept saying, "You make six figures effortlessly," and I'm like, "Not listening, not listening," because that's how it was. And then I finally he he finally challenged me and I was like, okay, I'm a competitive person. Yeah, I can, I can get my license. And that's kind of what happened with me. So just kind of curious from your standpoint, what kind of, what kind of put you in motion? So I, he, I think the, the message that really attracted me, well, it was a mixed response of frustration with my, you know, Mm. uh, structured 3% raise working on these pretty big projects. And actually looking back on that, you know, I was super naive and thinking I knew way more than I knew and I should have much more than I have. And actually the straw that sort of broke the back in the corporate world is I applied for, you know, I was a 23-year-old college student and I'm applying for a, a management position in a in managing a team in Chicago. And I was kind of heading down the path of I'm going to go to business school and do that. And I didn't get that job and I got all offended. Oh, you know, <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, so uh, best decision ever. Uh, was not hiring me for that job because it would have been a whole different path in life. But um, he, he said, let's start something together. You know, let's start a brokerage from the ground up. We'll be different. We'll, uh, we, we started a firm called Bengal Realty and Investments, you know, actually, the, and, and uh, we'll do business with investors and, you know, we'll pool. So it's kind of appealing to the finance economic side. It's like, oh yeah, that sounds, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I'll work on investment real estate and I'll, I'll do business with investors. And so that's sort of what, tipped it and got it in was just the frustration and just get started. Plus, you know, my dad had a huge influence on me getting into the business. My dad was actually an agent here in Las Vegas in the eighties and nineties for the last foreclosure crisis and uh, was actually an agent at the company that I'm at now. And, uh, you know, he basically told me when I graduated college, you're never going to have a problem finding something to do. Mm -hmm. You just have to figure out how do you want to spend the minutes of your day? What do you really love doing? And, um, you know, and at the time he's like, oh, just give it a shot, get your license and see where it goes. So I just kind of went in more out of frustration, but then just dug in and realized, oh, I really, really like the creativity of this. I really like the entrepreneurial nature of it. I like the fact that no situation, no two situations are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And so I liked the puzzle. I liked the problem solving. I'm an yeah. analytical, you know, introvert by nature. And uh, so I liked figuring out the puzzles. I totally get that. So would you say that's, that's what you, you like most about, about being in real estate is that you get to get, get to be, you know, I tell my son all the time, like, he's like, Oh, I want a Lambo. I want that he watches this YouTube video and he wants all this stuff. And then he says like, you know, well, we'll just get it. And I'm like, well, what do you want? You know, you gotta be a problem solver. If you, if you really want to make money, you gotta be a problem solver. Um, so even like little things when he's, he's, I can't find this. I'm like, no, how can you? You know, that's one thing I took away from Rich Dad, Poor Dad was um, not, I can't, how can I? Um, and yeah. so I try to implement that and instill that in him um, because you're, you're right. Like if you can, if there's a problem that you can fix, then I mean, your your value, you, value goes up. So I can definitely understand why that would be, you know, something that you're really passionate about. Yeah, well, that, that you know, something you uh, said there, that that is ultimately what brought me in. What I love most about being an agent early mm-hmm. was the entrepreneurial nature and the problem solving. But I... I read a quote in the book, in uh, the book, Speed of Trust, you know, that basically says any strength pushed to its extreme 
actually becomes a weakness. And that really resonated with me because I tapped my analytical strength. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm a finance economics yeah. guy. I know all the answers. And so I was naturally doing a pretty good job analyzing situations and asking pretty good questions and getting things done. But I was taking it to its extreme and feeling like I have the responsibility to know all the answers, tell everybody what's best for them, tell everybody what they should do. And uh, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> no, I, I no, that's, that's interesting that you say that's a great quote. Um, I, I wrote it down here. I mean, because it is like once you get, I, I like to re, uh, like relate things to sports all the time, right? And yeah. you look at at the beginning of the season. I was just listening to the Bill Simmons podcast this morning, and he's talking. You know, eight weeks ago, the Cowboys were in the Super Bowl, or like Patrick Mahomes at the beginning of the year, Super Bowl favorites, right there. But eventually, his strength has now become his weakness. He's he's getting back on track, but the sidearm throw this like the stuff that was just oh my man it's crazy the more information and the more you know film people get on you the things start to change so that you can't do that anymore so it's the exact same thing so his his strength became a weakness um obviously he's reevaluating now but that's that's I mean that's a great point and then I could see how you get so analytical that it would it would get like so sterile that it would be cuz i mean we're we are in a business that is yes there's numbers and everything but there's a lot of relationships going on as well. And I can see how becoming like statistical heavy um, would could potentially turn some people off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's crazy. Yeah. Thanks for that. quote. That's amazing. I love that. <clears throat> so as as an agent, what would you say has been your proudest moment? Do you have I'm sure you have a number of them, but do you have one that just kind of sticks out above the other ones that kind of made you feel like man, this is, I'm in the right spot. This is, I'm, I'm doing the right stuff, doing the right things right now. So <clears throat> I think uh, the one that really stands out is relatively recent, but the reason that it stands out, I can reflect is really at the core of what I love most about being an agent over the years is when, when we achieve those outcomes that people just didn't think were possible or somebody is feeling hopeless and stressed out and we're able to show some hope and relieve stress, ultimately mm. relieve suffering. That's one of the things that sort of transformed the direction I was heading in real estate. I was like, what do I really, really love about this? I said, I love reducing suffering. I mean, I, I went through some really tough times as an agent where I almost quit the business yeah. and, you know, and, and I was fed up and overwhelmed and burnt out and, and I almost quit. Um, but I got motivated by that. So I think that recently the thing that really sticks out is, uh, we had someone reach out, uh, this was about two months ago and, you know, they, they, they were in the unfortunate situation of where they owned a property here in Las Vegas that had a good amount of equity and they needed to get, get it sold. And they were facing losing a property in another market to foreclosure for whatever reason, it got to that point in another market where they had about three to four hundred thousand dollars worth of equity in that other home in the other market and it was seven days away from foreclosure oh, wow. and they had a payoff deadline and they couldn't they i guess they had explored postponing it etc well it didn't come to us until um they had gone down the path of where they had a guaranteed cash offer in hand on the home in vegas to get the cash needed to save the other property mm -hmm. and save all that equity in a long-time family home in another market but that buyer backed out 
<clears throat> that buyer backed out and pushed the close date and said, we're not, we're, we can't close on time. We're, we're, we can't close. We're pushing closing out 14 days. And I was like, well, and then I think ultimately they canceled it. And um, so that person reached out to us and just leveraging a lot of the resource that fingertips and being a creative problem solver, we were actually able to get their home sold with an instant equity solution in three business days. Oh, I mean, wow. closed. So that was the other thing they were facing. They're like, well, I don't really have time to go through, you know, a whole diligence period and another escrow. Yeah. And so we basically took all of the relationships. You talk about the who, I mean, that <laughs> whole situation would not have come together with some of the people that we work with in terms of the right title partners with the expertise to pull, you know, demands and everything instantaneously to get it done. Uh, an equity partner to help us unlock that instant equity and give them the cash they needed to save the other property a relationship in another market that could help them navigate the foreclosure over there. The, the, you know, the marketing team that we work with here that even gave them the idea to reach out to us, the, uh, the agent on the group that was able to sit with them in their living room and kind of just walk through and understand the emotion of the situation. And in three business days, we got the equity out of this house without them, ha without having to move on the home here, they're staying living there until we ultimately sell it. And they saved the property in the other market um, from foreclosure. So we saved, you know, three, $400,000 worth of equity within three business days and are getting them to their ideal outcome, which, you know, that's one of the things I'm most passionate about this business is just helping people find clarity yeah. on what's most important and then the creative solutions to get it. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's, that's incredible. And in, in three days and, you know, like <laughs> you said, you, you're, you're finding out not just, Hey, we need to sell this, but finding out why, you know, why, What's the what's the real motivation? You know, typically you ask, and it takes a while to get down to the, the why, right? The real reason why somebody's trying to sell something, um, yeah. <clears throat> or buy, or or whatever. Um, but that one is a uh, you know it made me think like what what was their motivation? You got me like enthralled in the story and thinking about what was their motivation? Did they want they had a family home? Was it that they wanted the equity from the family home, or do they want to keep the family home? Because those are two different values, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but it you know it I don't know that's that's an incredible story and. And I'm sure they're probably forever grateful um, well, for what you're yeah, going to and, do. And, and uh, I, that's why I, I believe, that's why I really believe no, no two situations are exactly the same. There's yeah. emotional factors, there's motivation factors, there's value factors, there's risk tolerance factors. So, um, but that one I was most proud of because it really took a village of experts and people working together to make it happen. Cause there's, you know, there's no way I'm, I'm doing that myself or without a, a process of understanding the other person. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, um, it, so it's it's the Mullen Group. So you, you mentioned a bunch of people working together, the agent that was in there on the couch. Um, how many agents do you have in your group? Uh, we have 16 associates. <clears throat> 16, awesome. 16, awesome. 16 associates to sell and four uh, employees. Okay, perfect. So with the, you know, obviously the last, you know, 18 months or so, I'm crazy around here, right? We have you know, I've heard people refer to it as the California exodus, like all these people are moving from all these states coming here and others, other in you know, Texas and things like that as well. Um, <clears throat> but we're getting an influx of people coming in here and the market was crazy, right? People trying to get offers accepted, people stopped, didn't decide to stop even looking anymore. Um, so, you know, was there anything that you and your team were doing as far as, you know, getting those offers accepted or, or getting in, in front of people? I mean, was it just, Hey, let's write the highest offer we can and try and have it be cash. I mean, cause that was pretty much, I was on some of these Facebook groups and they're just like, yeah, if you don't have cash, don't, don't bother. No VAs, like no, none of this stuff. Like if you don't have cash and you're not willing to waive all this contingency stuff, um, 
was there anything that you were doing differently that was getting you getting your offers noticed? So I, you know, <clears throat> two words come to mind immediately when you ask that question. Um, discovery and customization. So, you know, I mean, anybody can say, well, you just need to throw this term on your offer and it's going to get accepted. But to what seller and to what situation, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Until you really understand the factors of play going on the other side of the transaction. I mean, as, a, as on the buying side of this and not everything works all the time in all situations. Yeah. So, so the approach that we took was simply digging in as much as we could into the seller situation and understanding through the listing agent what is most important to the seller. Are they concerned about deal risk more than net price? Do they want, do they need to live in the property for a little bit longer while they plan out their next move? Do they, um, are they really concerned about, you know, do they want certainty with a cash offer or a little bit more than a financed offer until we really understand what's going on, on the other side and what's valuable to the other side. It's hard to give a buyer advice on how to adjust their offer to give it the most competitive until we know that stuff. So we just did our best to really understand what's important to sellers and, and customize and craft that into our buyer's offer strategies. Yeah. I think that's so. incredible because you're, it, it would be easy to assume that like first price is what people want. And I guess number two, and even, I mean, I was going to say close date, but that is could vary as well. I mean, I yeah. have uh, some clients that are have a new construction that won't be built built until June. Yeah. So what would a you know ten day close do for them right now? Like that wouldn't be something they would be excited about, right? What are they, what are they gonna do for the next six months? Um, so you know you're right. Like being able to pick, you know, understand what it is. What are the needs not only from your clients, but you know you're gonna offer something to somebody just thinking that hey, we're gonna give you a cash offer above list. You know, and, and it, it's funny, it, a lot of people don't understand that some of these sellers that will take offers based not even close to what you're thinking on, on like financially, um, they may want, they may like a certain family that came in, you know, they may like, you know, they, they may choose it based on something completely random. Um, and you're sitting there trying to throw, not you, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Trying to, trying to the, the general you trying to <laughs> set, trying to just sweeten the offer by offering more money. Um, so, I mean, I think that's, I think that's brilliant and such an easy thing to do um, as well, far as, I shouldn't say easy, but I mean, such like, Hey, what's your pain basically? Sorry. Go ahead. I try, I try, no, I just, I, you're hearing you talk. It's getting, you know, it, it's reminding me. I mean, I try to live by what's the principle or what's the value that we're focused mm -hmm. on. And I try to live by principles over personalities. You know, everyone's got opinions and everybody's got different personalities and objectives and agendas, but you know, what do I, how do I want to live? What's my, what's the principle I'm guiding? I'm living, yeah. right here, you know, and, and uh, you know, that process is going to work every single time, but we, we had a first time home buyer that was struggling with an FHA loan for several months. And, you know, we found the right seller where that interview process mattered. And we beat out 35 other offers on a lower price because we met their needs on occupancy and risk management through the escrow. So. No, that's yeah, amazing. I, you know, I'm getting, getting I, kind of chills right now because, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier where, you know, we always want to sell what we can do before we even know what they are, are wanting, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I think that that's, I mean, hearing you do that and like at, practically apply that I shouldn't even call it a strategy. I mean, it, it, in my opinion, it should be what we do anyways. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to, to put that in an application and, and I'm beating out 35 other offers is it's incredible. Like that, you know, 
if you won't pat yourself on the back, I'll, I'll, I'll pat you on the back for that. Cause that's, that is an incredible thing to do, especially when it's not, um, I mean, that that's problem solving, right? That's not just throwing money at something and hoping that it's going to happen. So, I mean, you should be very, very proud of that for sure. Um, do you mind me sharing one more thought because it just clicked? I mean, no, I, 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 I haven't thought about this, but just hearing you talk about it really clicked and <laughs> something that helps guide my days because you, this business and industry has so much going on and, and, and it can be sheer chaos and it's highly emotionally charged situations and it's big stakes decisions. And, you know, um, I watched the Ted talk. Uh, I will, I'll share it with you. I can't remember the name of the speaker, but it was run your business like a drug addict was the title of the Ted talk. And it boiled down to three simple principles said, be authentic, do uncomfortable work and let go of the outcomes. Wow. And, and I, those were the three core messages of the talk. And I, that is what grounds me in, in these situations. It's just like, you know, let's get real with what's most important with the humans here and do the uncomfortable things, uncomfortable conversations, challenge assumptions, you know, um, and let it, let go. I don't, you know, <laughs> better outcomes come when I, when I run a process than when I focus on my own predictions and my own biases and my own opinions. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's great. Again, thank you for sharing that. I wrote I wrote that down as well. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna look for that uh, that TED talk for sure. <clears throat> um, so obviously, so we talked about some of your proudest moments, the things you really love about real estate. This is one of my favorite questions because I get some some weird ones. Um, but what what is the the craziest thing that you've had um, happen in a transaction or anything that you've just seen in real estate that's been like kind of off the wall? So, um, you know, then I, I'll I almost to a certain degree become a little bit numb to like, I have nothing surprises me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but I think the thing that stands out is sort of, I, I had never seen this drastic of a scenario and it, and it shocked me, you know, it's, it's like came to my mind as the craziest surprise, um, was I was actually going out to meet an owner of a property that was they were selling their home themselves. They were a for sale by owner and, and um, marketing the property. And I saw a pretty big upside for them. I saw their list price. I saw what they were asking. I said, hey, can I come preview the property? I had a couple of clients that might be interested, but I wanted to learn more about their situation. What are they looking to accomplish? You know, everything I've just been talking about. And I set an appointment, went over to meet the owner and I walked into the house and uh, introduced myself and he was all excited. And there was a couple there at the, at the dining room table and he's like, oh, you're too late. I just sold the house. And the buyers were all proud that they got under contract because it was people fight, you know, this was, uh, earlier this year uh, and late. Uh, yeah, this was actually late last year. People were fighting over homes. This is this was the 30, 40 offers on a yeah. property time, and it wasn't exposed to the market. It was, you know, it was on, I think it was on Zillow. But these home buyers were sitting in the living room just super excited. Literally, they were signing the contract. And I just said, Oh, you know, congrats. You know, I didn't, I kind of let them finish their conversation. I uh, talked to the owner aside and uh, I said, Congratulations, you know, how, what are the terms? How'd it go? And he said, Oh, you know, they they paid my asking price, you know, 210. Was what he's asking. I was walking over with the thought process of exposing it to the market at 260 and feeling like that could have been maybe even you know pushed up based on market dynamics at the time. So I was just shocked, quite frankly, that uh, you know the owner left fifty thousand dollars potentially on the table. Um, 
by by making that assumption. And I don't know, it's, it's not every single situation is going to be exactly the same. Sometimes yeah. it's, it can be done well, but, you know, back to the what's most important to you, what outcome do you want? And yeah, no, maybe, def- <laughs> definitely. I mean, that's, you know, you know, stepping over dollars to pick up dimes, you know, where yeah. you, you know, you just phrase it a little bit differently and say, oh, it's, it's not a commission, it's a, uh, a service fee. Yeah. right and then people are okay with it all of a sudden <laughs> yeah <laughs> well again it, it, you know what's important to the individual maybe yeah yeah maybe maybe, maybe him getting sold himself yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you're right maybe that was maybe that's what it was which um, is, but, but, is fine i don't yeah, view my wow. job as to tell people what they should do i just view my job as our job is to help them find clarity yeah and uh on what's most important and, and provide options for them to choose so. Yeah. No. Okay. So with that being said, <laughs> what is, what is something every buyer or seller should know, you know, in, in your market here in Las Vegas? Uh, I think, I think that the most important thing I, I believe people should know is that not every, not every single agent gets the same results. You know what I mean? I, I mm. think, I think that Sometimes, not all the times, you know, a lot of, a lot of people understand that, but I think that, uh, I, I, my wish was that people really could realize that experience matters and, and process matters. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I believe that I think everybody in the market should know is what really drives the final sales price you get. I mean, how many times you, well, what do you think my house is worth? You know? And I respond, well, I, it's not my job to tell you what your house is worth. My job is to help you get clarity on what's most important to you in the process, identify your ideal outcome and make sure we achieve that and get you the most the market will bear if that's what's important to you. But I think what I, I, I wish people really understood is what really drives the final outcome of a transaction from a seller side or a buyer side. On the seller side, what really drives the final sales price? I believe it's pricing strategy, marketing process, marketing approach and negotiation process. And you know, all the factors at play that go into making those decisions ultimately is what drives the final net cash you take home. Not, uh, what do you think my house is worth? Yeah. You know, so. Okay. Yeah, no, totally get that. Um, do you have, you know, maybe two or three, you know, actionable items that, that sellers, buyers and sellers can do when they are actually looking for an agent? So I, yes. Um, I believe that I believe every seller should should talk to several agents and should interview multiple agents because like I just said, I believe that not everybody's a good fit for everybody and you focus mm. on the who's right for you, who's right for your objectives, who's right for your outcomes, what's most important to you in the process. And I think when you are interviewing agents, you know, if it was me giving someone advice, I said, what kind of questions are they asking you? Yeah. You know, they show up, are they showing up and really being curious and asking you a lot of questions about your situation and trying to understand your unique risk tolerances and your unique goals and your fears and where you're trying to go next? Or are they doing what we, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier. Are they walking in like you, how'd you feel if you walked into the doctor's office and said, Hey, welcome here, take two pills. Here's your issue. And, uh, you know, this is the, this is the path. This is the path we're going. Um, this is what I'm going to do to sell your home. This is what your house is worth. And here's what's next. Here's comps versus taking some time to really understand the situation first. So I'd encourage them to pay attention to the questions that are being asked by the agent, not just ask the agent questions. Uh, I view our job is not just answer the questions. This is one of the things I changed. I don't think our job is just answer the questions. I think mm-hmm. our job is to question the answers and help people get clear. So, um, and I think maybe, you know, so, uh, 
pay attention to who can articulate a clear process. You know, if they say, oh, I'm going to get you the muscle market will bear, you know, what's your specific process and methodology for doing that? Yeah. And just make sure that that can be articulated and show them. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love it. Um, definitely, you know, asking, understanding what they want is I, that's kind of been the, the undertone of the show here, like that, you know, figuring out what people actually want before you start just vomiting all these things on them. And I think that's, that's kind of what happens in some of these, um, you know, consumers get really confused on what's out there because of all of that without people like wanting actually getting to know them. So Matthew, here we are with the rapid fire round. Uh, just some quick questions for you um, to try and get some more clarity for uh, the listeners out there. So number one, what is one piece of technology that you just couldn't do without and you can't say MLS? Yeah, for me, it's Evernote, no doubt. It's cloud-based, organized notes, you know, make sure that I can uh, uh, Evernote. That's all I got to say about it. It's <laughs> awesome. And that's just basically a note-taking app that you can yeah, use. Online web-based note-taking app. I have access to it on my laptop, my iPad, my, my phone. It's organized by books and topics and ideas and people. And I can really make sure that I'm, you know, uh, grabbing conversations, building relationships with it. And it's my one place for all the knowledge. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Love it. What is the best book you've ever read and why? Uh, Speed of Trust no doubt the speed of trust because uh, that book changed my life. The, the it's, you know, it says it's the one thing that changes everything. And if you're uh, for me is reflecting on what really drives relationships, both at home and at work, it's trust levels. And that book changed my life. It broke down the framework into separating people from behavior, um, simple behaviors that can be changed. And it's not the person I don't trust. It's just the behavior. So uh, it helped me be better and pay attention to my own behaviors and, Made, better, made life better at home and at work. Awesome, awesome. All right, what is the best business advice you've ever received? Uh, the best business advice I ever got was really four things. Be yourself, just be yourself. That's where you come out strongest. I spent too long trying to be other people and it just doesn't come off well and it didn't go well and I, my effectiveness dropped. Um, questions attract and statements repel which is we talked a lot about wow. and it's just a core <clears throat> principle questions attract and statements repel fail fast and fail often uh, failures required for success. That was a mindset shift I had and really just surround yourself, surround yourself with the best of what you want to get better at. Awesome. Awesome. So, Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you knew no one. You saw all the experience and technology you currently have food and shelters taken care of. All you have is a laptop and 500 bucks what would you do to resurrect your real estate career in the next seven days? Throw, throw some signs out into a neighborhood for an open house and start having conversations with people and getting to know people, invite neighbors, uh, meet buyers, really try to understand what people are looking for and essentially uh, work hard for that seller. Show the neighborhood I'm working hard for that seller. I'm trying to drive traffic and showings to their property and um, just have really good, effective conversations of learning what people want and then give it to them. All right. And the last one, you've already given us a few of these, but give us a quote that has guided you in your life. Two things really come to mind. Uh, may your results speak louder than your opinions. Ah. Keeps me humble, keeps me focused, keeps me, what, what are the results of this and how does it really matter? May your results speak louder than your opinions. And I learned from one of my coaches, I ask myself three questions at any time I'm really in a tough situation. And it's, who are you? What do you want? And what price are you willing to pay? 
And those three questions really help guide me every single day in my decision-making process. Who am I? What do I want? What are the prices I'm willing to pay for this? Because it's different for every person. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. That was the speed round. <laughs> you know, I really appreciate having you on the show for sure. Like this is, um, it's been a long time coming. We've been trying to schedule this for a few months now, uh, but very happy uh, to have you on. How can people get in contact with you? They want to buy, sell, maybe, you know, join your team. Um, what's the best way people can, uh, you know, get in contact with you? Oh, themullengroup.com. Just go to www.themullengroup.com or just text me direct 702-326-5714. Awesome. Matthew, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, and uh, I can't wait to uh, continue uh, our conversations offline. Likewise. All right. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Authentic Agent Resource Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. Today's episode was brought to you by the Semi-Retired Real Estate Agent. To get your free copy, go to the semiretiredagent.com or simply scan the QR code if you're watching this video.